Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to Emerge tonight. We're really glad to have you. Um, I'm really excited to be able to speak tonight. Jeremy actually asked me last week, maybe, and honestly, about 10 o'clock last night, I was like, oh no, I'm preaching tomorrow night, <laughs> and I, I had dozed off and totally forgotten, uh, so about 2.30 this morning, I, I finished my notes, and um, I'm really excited about this. So last week, Jeremy um, started this series called The Scandal of Christmas, and he talked about Jesus' family tree and some of the unseemly characters that were in his family tree, and he talked about Mary and Joseph and the scandal that surrounded her pregnancy because she had been impregnated by the Holy Spirit and not by Joseph, her fiancé. But, you know, the community that they lived in never bought that story. You know how we know that? Because throughout his life, Jesus was referred to as the son of Joseph. Now, that was a scandal. Tonight, we're going to look at another part of the scandal of Christmas. So what is a scandal? I, I looked up the definition um, on the internet last night, and... Um, this is the first definition that came up. A scandal is an action or an event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. So the scandals Jeremy talked, out, talked about last week had to do with him having a messed up family, and then there was the supposed sex scandal. But tonight, I want to talk to you about Jesus letting go and giving up what was rightfully his. So um, I want to share a story with you about letting go. Now, when I was in fourth grade, imagine me in fourth grade, um, I went to Jefferson Elementary School in Port Huron, Michigan, and uh, my favorite teacher of all time was in fourth grade. It was Mrs. Cushman. Um, I found out later her name is Gertrude. Gertrude Cushman. Um, but she was the sweetest lady uh, and the best teacher I ever had. And in my fourth grade class, we had a checkers tournament. And I worked my way through this tournament, and there was a friend of mine. His name was Donald Beam. And the two of us met in the championship match of this checkers tournament. And I won the tournament. I still have the trophy somewhere. Um, fourth grade checkers champion, but here's the deal. Back in 2012, my conscience got the best of me, and I had to contact Donald Beam over 40 years after the fact and let him know that I had something that belonged to him because I had cheated <laughs> in this tournament. Scandal. <laughs> Scandal, yeah. I had cheated. I, I had made a move, and I picked my hand up, and he immediately went to make a move, and I put my hand back down, and Mrs. Cushman came over. It's like, what's going on? It's like, I didn't pick my hand up. You know, I lied. And she let us play again, and, and I won. But, see, I tried holding on to something that wasn't rightfully mine. 
And then um, there's a young man um, in one of the, the group homes that Debbie and I run. His name's Brian. Brian's six feet seven inches tall. And um, he was really active in, in Special Olympics years ago. And he was actually invited to the International Special Olympics Games in Alaska. Um, it's probably been 15, 18 years ago, something like that. He was in the speed skating championship match. And, I mean, Brian's legs are so long that it only takes, like, four, four strides and, like, he's around, <laughs> around the rink, you know. But uh, he, he took off, you know, the, the starter's gun uh, went off and he took off and he's about halfway around the rink and he noticed that there was a girl who had fallen behind him. And he stopped, he went back, he picked her up, got her on her feet, got her going again, and then he took off and finished the race and still got a silver medal. See, Brian gave up what was rightfully his just so he could help someone else, unlike me who tried holding on to something that was not rightfully mine. That kind of sounds like Jesus to me. So what is this other scandal of Christmas that I'm talking about tonight? Here's some things that we believe as followers of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. He's 100% God and he's 100% man. We believe that he lived a sinless life and that he never once did anything wrong. And we believe that he, because he was perfect, paid the price for my sin and for yours through his death on the cross. I want you to think about that just for a minute. Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and he died a death on a cross, being labeled a sinner <laughs> for you and for me. It was because of my sin. See, part of the scandal of Christmas is that perfect Jesus came to the earth to save imperfect man. That would be you and it would be me. The New Testament's full of stories where Jesus hung out with sinners and made a difference in their lives. Think about the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery, um, him hanging out with tax collectors, and there's so many people that he hung out with. And for the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were the religious folks of that day, that was a scandal in and of itself. But Jesus wasn't embarrassed by hanging out with sinners. He knew that that's why he came. See, the scandal of Christmas was me. I'm the one who sinned. I'm the one who turned my back on God. I've heard it said, the son, of man become, the son of God became a son of man so the sons of men could become sons of God. Instead of being ashamed of me and the scandal that I represent, Jesus chose me to be his. He called me to come home, and he welcomed me back into his arms, just like in the story of the prodigal son. God's not out to get you. He's out to get you. He wants you to be a part of his family. I want you to know tonight that God loves you, and he wants you in his family. He gave up what was rightfully his so that I could gain what was not rightfully mine. John chapter 1, 
begins like this. It says, in the beginning was, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then if you jump down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The words grace and truth, the, the Greek words um, are hesed and emmet, and translated, that means loving kindness and steadfast faithfulness. So let me read that last verse again, knowing that. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of loving kindness and steadfast faithfulness. He gave up everything just because he loved us and is faithful to us. Have you ever struggled to let go of something? I know I have. The book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing, or in another translation it says he emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So what does that mean for you and for me today? There's the, the word um, in verse 7 of that passage I just read, for where it talks about Jesus emptying himself, the, the Greek word is kenosis, not ketosis, kenosis. Um, and it has, it has to do with uh, Jesus emptying himself. Um, these are three of the ways that Jesus emptied himself that I want to share with you tonight first way was that he experienced the limitations of being a human being. He was God, and yet he became a man. He limited himself. Second way is that he willingly humbled himself and served others. And the third way is that his glory was veiled. So what does that mean for us? So let me go through those one by one. Jesus experienced the limitations of being a human being. For you and me, I think that means that just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Because it's not about power, it's about relationships. Second way was that he willingly humbled himself and served others. And for you and me, I think that means we need to be outward focused on God and on others. We need to be servants. And the third way was that his glory was veiled. For you and me, I think that means that we don't need to bring attention to ourselves or to be the center of attention. Those are ways that you can be like Jesus. One of my favorite Christmas traditions growing up, my dad's, he's been a pastor forever. I mean, he's like 85 now and just started pastoring another church in Ohio. Um, and, but when we were growing up on Christmas morning, um, my parents would, would gather the four of us kids 
by the Christmas tree before we opened presents, and my dad would read the Christmas story to us. But on this particular year, I was actually in college, and uh, my dad was the director of uh, Teen Challenge in Columbus, Ohio. And um, so I was a little bit older, but on this particular Christmas, he gathered us around the tree, and he read to us a Christmas story that was kind of a parable of the Christmas story. Um, it's out of a book by a guy named Thomas Kelly called The Eternal Promise. So I want to read this to you. It's kind of a little poetic. Now there were shepherds in a certain country abiding in the field, keeping watch by night over their flock. In the morning when they returned to their homes, the wife of one asked, How is the night gone? What, is, what hast thou seen? To which the shepherd replied, In the night a lamb was born, in the depths of whose eyes I saw the matchless glory of heaven. The other shepherd likewise returned to his home in the morning. How is the night gone? asked the wife. He answered, By spring we shall have a large herd, then you can have many things. A little child was born in Bethlehem or somewhere else. It matters not the place. The guide, or God, the guide and I stood watching and adoring. Look, what is it they are doing with yonder cradle? Are they not shaping it into a cross? And the guide replied, no, look again. You've reversed the meaning, for it's out of the cross that they're shaping a cradle. And when he read that, I just went, huh. I, I think I, I understood Christmas better than I ever have before because the very purpose for Jesus coming in a manger was so that he could die on that cross for us. It's not that he, he was born, born one day and, and went through life and some bad thing happened to him and he got stuck on a cross. That's why he came. It was for you and it was for me. John 12, 27 says, Now my heart, Jesus says, Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Shall I say, Father, don't let this hour come upon me? But that's why I came, so that I might go through this hour of suffering. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven. I have brought glory to it, and I will do so again. And another translation where it says, But that's why I came. It says, for this cause I came. This is why Jesus came. One of my favorite uh, Christmas carols is a song called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I don't think most people even know it, but uh, I want to read these words to you. It says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. 
See, there's something about that song that just tugs at my heart. The, the tune of the song it is almost mournful. But I don't think it's really mourning. What I think it's longing. See, up until the time that Jesus was born in that manger, the, the people longed, they yearned for the coming of the Messiah, the one who would save them from their sins. It was Emmanuel, God with us. For me, this song expresses the longing of my own heart to be in a love relationship with the one who chose me. He called me, he equipped me, he loved me, and he gave his life for me. And he did it for you to save us from our sin. Yes, I'm saved. I've given my heart and life to Jesus. I do my best to serve him with all that's in me. But that longing is still there. And I have to be honest, it has grown. The older I've gotten, the more I long and I yearn to see him face to face. See, this is my prayer. God, I want to know you more. I want to see you face to face. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life tonight in a new way like the coming of Jesus as a baby in the manger. Emmanuel, God with us. See, the scandal of Christmas is that the man who knew no sin left it all behind and he sacrificed his life for a sinner like me. So as this song plays, I want you to close your eyes and, and I'm asking you really, for real, to keep them closed. Um, until I ask you to open them and to invite him into your life in a new way. Let go of whatever it is that's holding you back. If you need to confess your sin, do it. If you need to forgive someone, do it. If you need to be forgiven by someone, do something to make that happen. If you need to be quiet in his presence, then do it. See, the bottom line is this, when you let go, then you can let God do his thing.